This is one of the more important, probably the most important episodes that I have done to date. Every once in a while on episode, I will record it and I will know as I'm recording it, this is something that needs to be listened to more than once. And this is going to be one of those episodes. The purpose of this episode is plain and simple to help emancipate the minds of my listeners and of anyone who listens to this or interacts with anyone who has listened to this. And so I implore you, when you listen to this, please do not listen to it just once. In fact, if you want to learn anything, if you want to change your mind, you have to get into the habit of listening to something, reading something, reviewing something more than once. Because the more times you expose your mind to any information, hopefully positive, but the more times you expose your mind to any information repeatedly, your mind begins to hold on to it and accept it as important. This is why they show commercials, the same commercials over and over and over again. It's how they program you. It's the repetition of exposing. It's the exposure or repetition. Continually exposing you to the same ideas over and over and over again ultimately changes your behavior to the information that the individual who's exposing you to that information wants. And so if other people outside of you can program you by repeatedly exposing you to some sort of stimuli, you can use that same process. You can hijack that same process and use it to program yourself and use it to get a better understanding of what is happening and use it to help yourself see reality for what it is. I want to start by saying to all the people of color and not of color, to European Americans, to Asian Americans, to Mexican Americans, to Middle Eastern Americans and immigrants who stood with their African American brothers and sisters and stood in solidarity with them. Thank you. In order for us to move past this so that we're not doing this again in another four years, so we're not talking about this again in another 30 years, so our children don't have to do what you just did this past weekend and this week. We must all learn what is really happening. You have to see what is at play so that you can wake up, so that you can deprogram yourself, so that you can take conscious control of the things that you do, the things that you say, and how all these external stimuli affect you. So I'm going to jump right to it. This particular episode deals with the PSYOP of structural violence. I 
have a bit of what Socrates described as his daemon. Socrates' daemon was his higher self that would guide him down particular paths whenever he was seeking wisdom. And I learned from Socrates, if he had something to that effect, then we all do, and I subsequently do as well. And so whenever I need guidance, I send a quiet message for help, and then I trust its guidance. And 100% of the time, I am navigated to exactly where I need to be to find the exact answers I need at the exact moment in time that I need it. And this week has not been different. And my daemon has not disappointed me. Now, if you're a new listener and you're perturbed by my use of the word daemon, I would suggest that you Google the word daemon and find out its etymological background or just look up Socrates' daemon so you can understand why and how I use the word. And don't be afraid of the word. It's just a word and it's not negative. It's only been given negative connotations, you know, in modern history. So through all of this, I sought out an answer and I was directed to, quote unquote, randomly to purchase a book called The CIA as Organized Crime by Douglas Valentine. The reason why I did this was because when we were discussing, my husband and I were discussing everything that was happening during the protests, we couldn't help but notice that what was happening in the United States was exactly the same thing that was happening in the Hong Kong protests. What I mean by that is there were bricks staged in front of buildings there were people who showed up to peaceful demonstra- demonstrations and attempts to escalate the violence. And these same individuals were dressed in black, using walkie-talkies and covering their faces. It's the exact same playbook. And my thought process is, when you see something like that happening, not just across the country, where in every city... In every single city that a protest broke out, every mayor, every governor reported the same thing, that people showed up carrying walkie-talkies, dressed in all black, prepared to antagonize and to turn protests into riots. And in Hong Kong, there were reports that people looted as well as burned fires. And the same thing is happening in the United States. That's not a coincidence. Things aren't random. And instinctively, I thought, let me just look into, let me try to find a book that will give me a better understanding of how the CIA operates. And I'm going to say I haven't even started the book, or I should say I haven't even finished the book within the first, I think, two minutes of reading, of listening to the book, of reading the book, I came across this quote. And the quote was, direct violence is for the amateur in dominance 
or let me rephrase it like this, in dominance or when an individual or a group seeks to dominate others, direct violence is for the amateur. Structural violence is the tool of the professional. The amateur who wants to dominate uses guns. The professional uses social structure. And that's a quote by Johan Galtung, G-A-L-T-U-N-G, if you want to read up on him. And that was a quote that was the introduction to this book on the CIA, CIA by Douglas Valentine. Now, as I said, I haven't even started the book because as soon as I heard that quote, I knew instinctively and intuitively that that was what I was looking for. That was the answer that I was looking for, for the question of what's happening to our society right now. And not just the protests, but everything that led up to the protests, including the quarantine. Douglas, I apologize, Johann Galtung developed this understanding of violence and he took the concept of violence and he broke it down into three categories. The first category is direct violence. Direct violence is what we normally think of when we think of violence. I need you to listen very carefully. I'm going to repeat and reiterate and try to make this very as simple to understand as I possibly can. But I have to say that it took me a few hours of re-listening to videos I found on YouTube on the, on the subject, as well as rereading definitions of each and every group to put together a concise understanding of what's, what is really going on here so that I can explain it better to other people to make it so that you can start to see what's happening and start to understand. So you're going to have to listen very carefully, okay? Direct violence. Direct violence is what we normally think of when we think of violence. It's a physical attack. It's an assault. It's maiming. It's shooting. It's bullying, rape, and emotional manipulation. So you can think of direct violence as physical violence. Okay, that's, that's one category of violence. That's, that's phase one. It starts with direct violence. The next phase is the evolution of direct violence. And that's cultural violence. Cultural violence is the existence of programmed beliefs that is instilled by majority in or to justify direct violence against another group. Cultural violence are programmed beliefs that is instilled by the majority of any given group in order to justify direct violence against another group. These beliefs 
become so embedded in a given culture that they function as absolute and are then passed on and reproduced unquestioned and uncritically across generations. Now, what are some examples of cultural violence? You have ideologies like sexism, misogyny, racism. You heard the quote, spare the rod and spoil the child. That's a cultural belief that leads to the direct violence against children. It normalizes abuse of children, right? Or the Bible saying that a woman should be subservient to her husband or to her father and that men should dominate women. That's a cultural belief that leads to physical violence. It's cultural violence. And he utilizes the term violence because when you tell a person that I am superior to you, it's a kind of psychological violence. It's like verbal abuse emotional abuse. And now when you take that violence and you put it into a belief system, then you allow for that belief system to be passed on from generation to generation without critical thought, blindly. When you tell people of color or when you establish in any society the idea, the belief, the ideology that white culture is superior to all others and deserves to dominate every other culture and not just in the United States but across the world that is a cultural, violent belief. That's cultural violence. White supremacy is cultural violence. It is a system of belief that are instilled in a particular culture, which then affects the behavior of members of the culture, both the oppressor, and an oppressor is simply an individual that benefits from the system of cultural violence, the belief of cultural violence, that's the oppressor. Doesn't have to be a majority group, right? If I believe, or if we have a system of beliefs, which we do, that rich people are better then poor people, then the oppressors, if they use their wealth to suppress, to marginalize workers and people, that belief is a cultural violence. 
Okay? Are you getting it? I'm going to drive this in. Now, the third category is structural violence. Structural violence now takes cultural violence and imposes it into the system. This is what people talk about when they say we have a system of institutionalized violence. Structural violence are legal structures that enforce cultural and direct violence. And so you don't make it a, a problem that it's just about race because this affects all of us. Okay, it wasn't until the mid 70s that marital rape became illegal, which means up until not that long ago, 40 years ago, a man was allowed by law. to rape his wife, to physically attack his wife. Structural violence. Okay. You also have what happens, what's happening in Middle Eastern countries where a woman is not allowed by law to go out without her husband, and if she is, she has to be covered up by law. Okay? You're starting to see why this episode isn't just for a black issue. Are you starting to understand why all of this that's happening right now isn't something that affects just black people? There is a system here of of structural violence that can be seen across all cultures. And until we bring it to our attention and become conscious of it, it will continue to negatively affect all of us. So we have marital rape laws. You have the Jim Crow laws. You have the police profiling, racial profiling policies that we have in place right now. We had apartheid in South Africa. We have our nationalistic foreign policies that drive our invasion, attack, and bombings of the nations of people of color. So the cultural violence is a belief. And then the structural violence is basically the legalization of a fucked up belief. Structural violence is a legalization of a fucked up cultural belief. The belief that you should beat the shit out of your kids because a book written thousands of years ago told you that to spare your spare beating the fuck out of your kids is to spoil them. Okay? You starting to see it? 
Okay, I'm not done. Structural violence is closely linked to social injustice. The two are correlated. So let's go back now to cultural violence. Cultural violence is like in the center of it all because once you can get people to believe something, then it starts to affect both our policies, which is what you see in structural violence, and how people are physically treated, which is what you see in direct violence. When you see hate crimes, a person acting out a hate crime against another person of a different ethnic group than them, they are operating under a belief system. The cultural violence that was instilled in them, which then leads to the direct violence, but it's based on the knowledge and the understanding that legally, structurally, they will probably face no consequences as we've seen time and time again with the police when they kill a person of color, when they kill black people and are just either fired or reprimanded or get manslaughter charges. They are protected. Their violent actions or physical physically violent actions, which is direct violence, they know that they are protected structurally by an institution based on the belief that they, their white skin, makes them superior and a person's dark skin makes that person inferior and I'm they are conscious a lot of people are operating unconsciously it's the belief systems that are driving their behavior most people are unconscious anyway because they're all programmed and so it's their belief systems that have been programmed ingrained into their minds since they were children that now drives their adult behaviors. They're zombies. Cultural violence makes direct violence look and even feel right, or at least not wrong. So when a man, a European-American, quote, man, and I use that term loosely, puts his knee casually on the neck of an African-American man. If you need a photographic explanation, you know, they say a picture is worth a thousand words. If you need a photographic explanation of exactly what I'm telling you, where it's cultural violence, structural violence, and direct violence all in one, it's a picture of a European-American police officer 
kneeling on the neck of a dying African-American man. See, legally, he felt as though he was protected. He's literally wearing a uniform of the state. That he felt gave him the power to exercise his cultural beliefs, the cultural violence against people of color. And he did so physically, directly, by taking his life. And as casual and callous a way as anybody could do. Are you starting to see what's happening? And so when people of color see that, and not just people of color, when people with good hearts see that, it does something because it's a violent image. You don't even have to watch the fucking video. The image itself is violent. I'll say it again. The image itself is violent. It is psychologically violent. It offends your senses. It, is, it offends the sense of, senses of every decent human being who is against violence, who is against brutality, brutality rather, who believes that we are all equal, that we're all one. When you see an image like that, without even watching the video, something in your brain recognizes this is fucked up. And what I'm doing is I'm slowing down that process that has taken a lot of us to that this is fucked up mindset. And I'm showing you why. What got, what, because what, the brain processes things really quickly. The reason why I have to slow my, even my speaking down is because my brain goes so fast and I've got to consciously slow it down. Otherwise, my words get kind of bitten and you obviously are listening to me and you've seen that. But the brain works really fast. So you see an image and your brain basically takes everything that I've just been saying and spits it out and goes, that's fucked up. That's not okay. That is wrong. And for people of color, specifically African-American people who have seen that same fucking image over and over and over and over and over again, it is a violent attack on their psyche. And then the media takes it and repeatedly shows it like that's not a human being, right? Repeatedly shows it, repeatedly shows it. You are every time... And I'm not saying, so don't get it twisted. Don't twist what I said. I am not saying that those images didn't need to be seen. But it needed to be seen most by European Americans so that they could see what the system of structural violence that they benefit from is doing 
to their fellow human beings. But what I'm speaking to is that when you show that to people of color who are going to immediately identify with a person of color who's on the ground dying, the brain immediately puts them in that same situation. That's a violent act. You took his life. We can do something about it. We're still alive. And the reaction you get is self-defense. It's the protests. It's the violence. You are... People are meeting because people... If, you, if I punch you, you're going to punch me back. If I react to you in a physically violent way, I am programmed to defend myself and to hit you back. But if I verbally assault you, you also might get knocked out. And if I psychologically, or I should, you know what I'm trying to say, if you verbally assault me, I might actually also physically attack you back. Especially if it's a word that my brain deems as extremely violent a demeaning word, right? A culturally violent word that stems and connects to the point that some, somewhere in that word, you're still saying it. You're taking a culturally violent belief and you're condensing it into a word like the N-word or the C-word. Those words are, are basically abbreviations of, a, of cultural violence. It's saying... You are inferior to me because of your color of your skin. That's what the fucking N-word means. It's a condensed way of saying you are inferior to me. That's violence. That's cultural violence. And so if you say that to somebody, that's a violent act. They're going to respond in self-defense. which is why hate speech is not protected. Because you can't go around antagonizing people and not expect... Wait, let me, let me rewind that. Which is why when a person uses hate speech, they face criminal charges, especially if it's tied in with a physical attack. So I should say that. That's more accurate. But if you call a person N-word and they hit you, they are protected. You have the right to say whatever you want. So hate speech is protected, as in you have the right to say whatever you want. But if you are, if your violence, your verbal violence is met with physical violence, with direct violence. So if your cultural violence towards a person of color, right, and that word represents cultural violence, is met with direct violence, the person of color is excused by the state because they understand exactly what it is that I'm talking to you right now. Talking to you about right now, rather. Okay, let's move on. Cultural violence can be exemplified by religion ideology, language, art, and science. And cultural violence 
can be used to justify both direct and structural violence. So, in the midst of Americans protesting, all Americans protesting the violent death of an African-American man at the knee. Like a cop literally taking a knee on the neck of an African-American man. The president, he represents the structure, right? Remember. He literally represents the executive branch of our structure, of this country's structure. Has protesters gassed, tear gassed, to make room so he can walk down to a church and hold a Bible upside down? Another thing he did was he repeatedly yesterday, on Tuesday, used the word dominate. We will dominate. We will dominate. This has got to be a dominant show of support. It's a dog whistle. Google that. Google dog whistle politics. You can come back. So those that, that action of walking down to a church and holding a Bible... Upside down is just his stupidity, but walking down to the church and holding a Bible and then tweeting about domination is a dog whistle to the white supremacists, the extreme white supremacists who support him. Actually, it doesn't even have to be the extreme white supremacists, the white supremacists, period, who support him, particularly the ones who use their cultural beliefs, which is cultural violence, which is found in the Bible. Go read the fucking Bible. Actually, if you don't want to read the Bible, a great book to read is called God, the Most Unpleasant Character in All of Fiction. That book is... The physical representation of cultural violence. It promotes child abuse. It promotes child sacrifice. It promotes sexism, misogyny, racism, ethnocentrism, war, direct violence. And he brutalized people, put people in pain so that he could walk to a church and hold a Bible up. You really got to think about, especially after everything that I told you, what that statement really means. He is saying, I am prepared to uphold the structural violence against people of color that is based on the cultural violence of this religious book. And I said this in my podcast titled Christianity and White Supremacy. Um, a.k.a. Jesus is a demon. Um, But I'll say it again. When the missionaries 
first came to every culture that they interacted with. They brought the Bible and they said, your gods are inferior. Your gods are demons. Our God is the only true God. Your culture is inferior. Your culture is barbaric and savage. And our culture is the supreme culture. And our ancestors across the world, this is not just black people. That's why I said this podcast is for every single one of us. And if you don't fall under the category of a Mexican person or a Native American person or an African American person or a Hindu American person who has been negatively affected by this, as far as cultural violence is concerned, as far as you know, your race wasn't subjugated. Or, and what I mean by that is if you're a member of the European-American tribe, culture, whatever you want to fucking call it, um, if you're a woman, if you're a white woman, that, that book is just as violent. Because that book is responsible for the fact that Roe versus um, Wade is trying to get, people are trying to repeal that. It's responsible for women's reproductive rights, people attempting to take that away. So what you're seeing on the TV, you're saying this is, if, if you're saying this is not my problem, I doubt you'd be listening to this podcast if you're thinking this is not my problem. But I'm just saying in general, if you're a person who's thinking this is not my problem, you don't understand what's happening because it's the system of cultural violence that is based on that book that he held up that dictates the laws that are put into place that will affect you, that leads to structural violence, that does affect women, just, in, just as much as it affects people of color, just as much as it affects the poor, We're all in this together and we can't afford to point fingers and say, well, that's not my problem because that's just affecting this person. Yeah, at this fucking time. Cultural violence can be exemplified by religion, ideology, language, art, and science. Language. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. Uh, Where the fuck are women? You see that? It's a subtle psychological violence. That leads to the structural violence against women. Every book I read, until recently, most of the books that I've read, especially books that, I've been, that were written before, let's say, 2010, speaks to the audience as though they're talking to fucking men and as though they're talking to specifically white men. 
there is an implication there. It's subliminal. And if you're not cognizant of it, if you're not conscious to it, you'll miss it. But it's basically saying, indirectly, I don't expect a a non-white female or a white female or just a female in general to even understand what the fuck I'm talking about. It reinforces that. that that's a type of violence. It's funny. Um, quick side note. There was a book I purchased. I haven't started reading it yet, but I briefly looked over the reviews. And somebody was complaining because the author kept referring to God as she. And they like wrote a negative review on this actual book because they're like, they were personally offended Obviously, we know what ethnicity and or gender this person is. So they were personally offended by the fact that God was referred to as a female. First of all, nothing in nature reproduces itself that is a man. And let me rephrase that because that was an awkward statement. No males in nature reproduce no males in, in nature can create itself is basically what I'm trying to say. Only females can reproduce itself. It's only a female that can reproduce herself throughout nature. You have reptiles can do it. Fish can do it. Snakes. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think right now, but I can't think off the top of my head. But you got the... You, get the basic gist um males can't reproduce themselves so there's they're just there to fertilize their eggs the eggs of a female that's literally the sole purpose of a male it's just to fertilize an egg females can self-fertilize and so if you want to say that the bible is real if you want to start with that okay i'll give you that and your bible says that the single entity created human being in its image. The only thing that can create something in its image in nature is a fucking female. The only thing in nature that can create something in its image, something living in its image is a female, which I think now that I think about it is why we have men trying to push for AI because they're trying to create a male masculine entity, which is AI in their image. Go figure. So why wouldn't God be a female? And not to mention, like, do your research the original scriptures were written, they refer to God not as a single masculine, but as the Elohim, which is plural. So there's actually many gods in the beginning, but that's not the point of this podcast. Let me get back on topic. Art. I'm a painter, and I, the reason why I paint when I paint is because I got tired of seeing black people constantly depicted as slaves. If that's not fucking programming, I don't know what is. And the the saddest part of it is that even black artists are guilty of doing the exact same thing. We're getting better, but 
there are some very talented artists out there and I get it. They're painting the struggle, but they're also reinforcing a cultural belief. They're reinforcing that image becomes a type of cultural violence because it speaks to a pre-programmed mindset. It speaks to the ideology of white supremacy. The word slave literally came from Slav. If you Google the etymology of the word slave, it tells you it's Slav because those Slavs were slaves. But somehow something has happened and now slave has become synonymous with dark skin, with black skin. That's programming. And if you look at Slavic artists, they're not constantly depicting their heritage as Slavs or slaves. And while I understand what's happening, I also am saying that a lot of artists are victims of this type of cultural violence. They're victims of white supremacy. We are all under, we are all under, we are all under the program of white supremacy. And white supremacy is a type of cultural violence. Structural violence and direct violence are said to be highly interdependent, including hate crimes, racial violence, state violence, terrorism, and war. Earlier this year, when we thought World War III was going to happen, the United States went to bomb a, an Iraqi military general, which was a violation of the Geneva Convention and under normal circumstances would have been considered an act of war. And we attacked them in Iran. We attacked and killed this guy in Iran. And it was the Iranians who paused and realized that reacting to the antagonized, antagonizing, intentionally antagonizing attack was just gonna to lead to their own destruction. And so it was them that kept us all. It was the Iranians that kept us all from World War III. I don't think enough has been said about that. So I'll fucking say it. It was the Iranians that kept the rest of the world from World War III because they paused and realized that if they reacted, it would trigger a chain of events. China would get involved. Russia would get involved and it would trigger a chain of events that would lead to a world war. And so they, while they did shoot off their missiles in quote unquote retaliations, mostly just to save face, they warned American military bases to leave ahead of time so that nobody would get hurt. And they shut off the missiles and that was avoided. And that always kind of bothered me because it was like, you, 
it was like a bully, you know, that, that was an act of direct violence, what the U.S. did, what the U.S. military did. It was an act of direct violence that was basically driven by the cultural violence of white supremacy, right? And white supremacy, literally by definition, if you go into Google and you type in white supremacy, it tells you that it is the belief that white people are superior to those of all other races especially the black race, and therefore should dominate society. Colin Carbonate said that, and he said it in an indirect way. He said that this attack is an attack on people of color. And then a bunch of white supremacists jumped in on him. And when I say white supremacists, you're not getting left off the hook if you say, well, I'm not a Nazi and I'm not in the Klan and so I'm not a white supremacist. No, those are just motherfuckers who decided that they believed in their own bullshit so much they were going to form a fucking organization that allowed them to go around and terrorize people. Right? White supremacist groups are basically just churches for the religion of white supremacy. But just because you don't go to church doesn't mean you're not a practitioner or a believer in the ideology. That was good. Loop that and listen to that three times. A lot of people call themselves Christians, but they don't necessarily go to church. A lot of people identify as quote-unquote spiritual and they believe in Christianity, but they don't necessarily go to church. And then there are some people who are just hardcore Christians and go to church all the time. Okay? White supremacy is an ideology. It's a system of beliefs. And white supremacist groups are literally just fucking churches for people who are hardcore dedicated to that system of belief. And in this particular case of white supremacy, that system of beliefs is that white people should dominate. White people are superior and should dominate all of society. And if you don't think that you're a white supremacist, stop and rethink that. Because like I said earlier, we are all infected by the ideology of white supremacy. just from living in this country. Case in point. I'm going to start spouting off some examples, okay? Let's start with unprofessional black hair. So my cousin started the conversation with me talking about how his friend, so he's growing out his hair. Okay, my cousin is a young black man. And he is growing out his natural hair that genetically is programmed into the body that he's living in. And uh, that's how it grows out of his head. And his white European friend told him that his hair is unprofessional. Randomly, too. Like, they weren't even, he didn't ask him, hey, what do you think about my hair? The guy just volunteered the information. 
I don't understand how, and I mean that facetiously, but I don't understand how you can, somebody's hair that they're born with can be considered unprofessional unless you're subliminally trying to say my straight hair, right? Here's the argument. If my black natural hair is unprofessional, then the opposite of that would be your white straight hair is natural. That is is professional. So what you're saying is it's something that I'm genetically born with is inferior to something that a white person is genetically born with. Now, is his friend consciously racist? No, he's not. He's not consciously racist. But he is operating under a system of beliefs that tells him that he is superior and it expresses itself on so many levels the first level is first of all even if you felt that keep that shit to yourself because nobody asked for your fucking opinion secondly you're not even thinking about what you're about to say and how that's going to negatively affect the person that you're saying it to which speaks to another level of racism right you have been programmed to believe that a person of color has their opinion, their comfort, their feelings, and as we're seeing on the TV right now, their life has less value to that of a white person. Like, if you wouldn't walk up to a blonde person and say your hair color is unprofessional or your eye color is unprofessional why can you why do you feel comfortable flipping that around and saying the exact same thing to a person of color unless on some level and whether you're conscious of it or not you are operating under the belief system that one it's appropriate for you to talk to people like that particularly people of color and two the reason why it's appropriate is because on some level you think that they are inferior to you because you believe in the cultural ideologies that were imposed on you. So that statement is a statement of cultural violence. And so when you say that to a person of color, particularly a black person, and they react in anger, it's because you just fucking attacked them. You said... You are inferior. Your hair is inferior. And so they're going to respond in self-defense. And then the problem is when that happens, European Americans pause and they don't understand. There's a disconnect there, which is why you need to be listening to this because I'm teaching you. There's a disconnect there. What did I do? Why are you so angry? There's a failure to see how what they did is violent and is wrong. It's like a parent who abuses their child, right? 
I'm not talking about spanking. I'm talking about abuses their child. But because they have been programmed or they grew up in a society or a community or a culture that has been programmed that abuse of an individual, of a child, of, of an individual smaller than you is how you're supposed to raise them. They don't see any, they literally don't see anything wrong with them. And if you don't talk to them about it, they will just do the exact same thing to their children. And it perpetuates that system because the programming is what is driving the individual's behavior. They're not conscious. And that's why programming is dangerous. And if you don't know what programs are driving your behavior, you're going to live a life and behave in a way that you don't control. It's the programming that controls you. If I program my phone to set an alarm that will go off at 2 o'clock in the morning, my phone isn't going to recognize, okay, it's 2 o'clock in the morning. She's probably sleeping. Maybe she meant 2 p.m. She never sets an alarm for 2 p.m., so let me just... No, it's going to fucking go off at 2 a.m. When somebody is programmed to think, behave, and act by their culture, by cultural beliefs... They do things without thinking. That's why his friend was able to say that without pausing to think, wait, if I wouldn't say this to a person of color or to a person, a white person, why is it okay to say this to him, to my friend? And it's that same friend that will turn around and say, same person that will turn around and say, I'm not racist, my friend is black. The the two are not related. You could still be racist and have a black friend. You could still be racist and have a black friend. You could still be racist and listen to this podcast. You can still be racist and go to the protests. Because until you start addressing the things that I am discussing here, until you start deprogramming your mind, the cultural ideologies of white supremacies that have been instilled into your brain from childhood will continue to drive your behavior. I heard a story of the fact of people, my, uh, people driving up to businesses. I heard a story of this one lady pulled up driving a BMW as a white lady, and she pulled up to a guy who was fixing his business. Right, that had been the window had been knocked out and smashed or whatever, so he was boarding it up. And she says, "Excuse me, can I hold your tool?" So the, the person who was boarding up was a person of color. And she's like, excuse me, can I hold your tool? And the person of color gives him their tool. And then she has her accomplice take a picture of her holding the tool. And then once the pictures are done taken, 
She gives the tool back. She jumps in the car. And I'm sure that's going to make a great social media protest. I saw another post of two European females talking about when is the next protest going to happen? Let me know. And they're planning it like it's a social event. I really want to go to that BLM protest, but I'm working both Saturday and Sunday. Is there any during the week I can attend? Please help me out, guys. And then one of her friends says, um, there's one next Wednesday. I'll send you the info. And then the other one responds, I'm working Wednesday. Are there any this week or any other days that you're aware of? But the casualness in which it's discussed, it's like they're trying on some level, they're trying to do what they think is the right thing, or at least is what's popular right now. But there's a lack of understanding as to what people are protesting, why they're protesting it, and the emotion that's behind it. It's like somebody talking that casually about people demonstrating against Jewish people being held in concentration camps and being right and being killed in concentration camps the only difference well there's two differences one is that you are for the most part most people aren't socialized to think that jewish people are inferior so you automatically are able to look at that and say okay that's wrong because the programming isn't there But when it's a African-American person, and while you're saying, yes, I agree that Black Lives Matter, you're not able to grasp your, your programming, the cultural violence of the programming stops you from being able to grasp the gravity, the severity of why these protests matter. What brought them on in the first place? And the fact that it's happening on social media as opposed to like just texting your phone kind of leads into that, right? It also tells me that these individual girls, and they're in England, so whatever, but it also tells me that these individual girls are more doing it just so that they can say, hey, I went and here's a picture of me holding a sign which is kind of what these social media apps are doing to us. They're desensitizing us, but that's another conversation. So that's one example. On the opposite end, I saw a post today on social media. It said that Uh, Ferguson, for the first time, has elected a black woman, an African-American woman, as mayor. And the picture that was posted was a picture of her looking stern. 
And right below it was a comment by a woman of color, an African-American woman, that said, this is good news, but can you change her picture to a picture of her smiling? Because I don't want it to look like she fits into that angry black woman stereotype. That is white supremacy at work. That is cultural violence at work. She is a victim of cultural violence. And I responded to her very gently and I said, the picture is fine. Do you think Trump gives a fuck about what he looks like or how he behaves? That's the problem. And that's how this this is one of the many ways that we are subjugated our behavior our expressions even are fucking controlled you can't wear an expression you can't express yourself you can't even be angry out of fear that a white person a european american will judge you as an angry quote-unquote black woman why the fuck do you care how they perceive you. You're not responsible for their judgment of you. Do you think they care how, they, how you perceive them? Of course not. Think about the way they talk to you. Think about the things that they say that agitate you. These people aren't pausing to think about the effects that they have on them because they too are beneficiaries of this cultural violence set up but they're also victims of it if trump can post pictures of himself looking like a damn fool with his face covered in cheeto dust and his hair looking like snow that somebody kind of peed on a little bit on the top he has the freedom to do that Contrast that to when the shootings happened in Ferguson, Trump, uh, not Trump, Obama had, like, he had to be extra, extra cautious because he didn't want to seem as though he was only looking out for people of color. And he wanted to. He wanted to, but that, that's what this system of, of cultural and structural violence does to someone even as powerful as the president, it's fucking psychological, guys. It's in your brain. To a certain extent, it's even more dangerous than direct violence because if somebody hits you, you can at least point to it and say, boom, you hit me. You know, that's assault. That's a physical attack. That's bullying. But when it's this cultural type of violence, it hinders you. It makes you feel powerless. It makes you feel like you have to censor yourself. You can't even be a human being with human feelings. And, and you can't, you're not allowed to get angry because of that fear that these people who have told you they're superior to you, what they think. And the reason why you care what they think is because on some level you believe the lie. You believe the programming. And it's not just a black and white thing. 
It's a male and female thing. It's women not presenting themselves as strong because they don't want to be called a bitch. So they lower themselves. Hello, is this thing on? I'm bringing all these things to your attention because when you become conscious of it, it no longer, it can no longer control you. See, when this program is operating in the back of your mind and it's driving your behavior, you know something's not right, but you just can't put your finger on it, right? And the worst part is, is like, we live in a society that overtly fails to acknowledge these three types of violence. But the people who are pulling the strings know about these three types of violence. Remember that I came across this information in a book about the CIA. And remember the quote, direct violence is for the amateur in dominance. Structural violence is a tool of the professionals. The amateur who wants to dominate uses guns. The professional uses social structure. Even in this book, this book was written in November 2019. This book was called Galileo's Error. I think I referenced it in the previous episode, but oh, no, actually, I did. I, re- I, I referenced it in the episode that I ended up taking down in memory and in support of uh, Blackout Tuesday. Um, but in that book, the book was written in 2019. The guy is basically trying to take a scientific approach to the explanation of consciousness. And I was listening to it, and I was listening to it, and I was listening to it, and I got to the end, and the scientist, he says that a lot of the conclusions that he has presented in this book were already more or less reached by Indians, by by Hindustani, Buddhists. And he also said that people who, uh, who meditate, people who take psychedelics, they have also come to the same conclusions that outside of our reality is our consciousness and we're all one. But then he said, Basically, that the accounts of the Hindustanis and the spiritual practitioners don't really count because he hasn't had similar experiences. And so because he hasn't had the same experiences that Hindustanis, that Hindus and Buddhists and practitioners of uh, hallucinogenic you know, drugs, because he hasn't had those same experiences. He, as a scientist, his opinion basically is what matters more and that their accounts should be discarded. I've heard similar tropes repeated through all the books that I've read. 
And what I noticed is they all start with the same thing. It's always a white author. And I've quoted Schopenhauer and I've quoted um, Kant and all the fucking others, um, even Einstein. All of these white scientists, all of them are inspired by the writings of Indian people. I mean, Indians from India, not Native Americans. I don't use the term Indians to refer to Native fucking Americans because that's not their name. They're not Indians. When I say Indians, I mean Indians from India. All of them, all of them, even David Hume, who came up with the holographic um, theory, holographic universe theory, they all attribute their findings, their conclusions to initially being inspired by the writings of the ancient Indians and the Hindus. But then they say that what these people wrote about thousands of years ago should be invalidated because they can't be backed by quote-unquote science yet or they can't be proven by science. And I heard that so many times that at a certain point, I just kind of accepted it. Like, okay, well, if I need to find something, I've got to find a quote-unquote scientist, usually a white male, to say exactly the same thing that a person of color already said in order for my brain to then accept it. Or maybe not even my brain, but in order for, for you as a listener or people that I'm talking to to accept it. Because on some level, I knew that I was programmed and that we are programmed and that you are programmed with this belief that unless the information comes from a white Ivy League educated male who is also a scientist, you are supposed to disregard these statements, which is basically saying that white males, educated white males, are to be perceived as the authority on truth. That's fucking racist. That is white supremacist. I'm sorry, that is white supremacy on a culturally violent level. It means that all the other conclusions that all these other cultures have come to are invalidated. All these other human beings that have had experiences, their experiences are invalidated because they're not white Ivy League educated males with degrees. And it just dawned on me like two days ago. And I was like, that's fucked up. It took me reading that and the way he said it. And it wasn't like this book was written like a hundred years ago, something stupid like that. He just put the shit out in November. And I was like, yo, wow. And that was it for me. I'm not buying any more books personally on quantum physics. I've read enough. I'm not buying any more books on quote-unquote science. I've read enough. Um, I'm just going to go straight to the source. 
which is books on spirituality, ancient spiritual practices, which caused and brought on and inspired the so-called quote-unquote scientists that are now trying to take claims for the writings and discoveries of people of color who came to these same conclusions by their own ways. But you disregard that, you negate that because it's not quote-unquote science, which science is just another type of religion, but it was invented by white European males. You see how deep this shit goes? You see how, how deep this shit really goes? You know, for those of you who have immigrant parents and you ask them to tell, them, tell you stories about what life was like in their countries, they will tell you some of the most like majestic and magical stories that you know that they believe in it, but you are programmed not to accept it because, well, quote unquote, science says it's not true. But what science is basically what science basically is, is just a type of structural violence. I'll say that again. What science basically is, is just a type of structural violence. I used the wrong word there. It's just a type of cultural violence, rather. Remember I said the cultural violence can be exemplified by religion, ideology, and language, in art and in science and it's used to justify both direct and structural violence back in like the early 1900s late 1800s you had these scientists that were basically trying to use race genetics quote race genetics to say that to support their fucked up beliefs about their own supremacy to say that white men were the most superior races. And, and that was what brought on the social injustice that we saw in the Second World War by people like Hitler. He used the scientific writings of Darwin and eugenicists, right? White supremacists who believed that they were superior to all other races and they used, quote, science to back up those sort of beliefs and instill that into a culture which then led to structural violence manifesting itself in or as war, particularly the Second World War. And we see this happen time and time again with the countries that the United States government decides to bomb, attack, and occupy. A country is just a collective of individuals. And if the people that, if those individuals are under the programming of white supremacy, which is a cultural belief, it will affect their structural practices. It will affect the way laws are put into place. And like I said, this is not just a racial issue. issue. This is a gender issue. This is a class issue because what we're starting to see now too is, and I alluded to that earlier, there's this belief that a person who has wealth makes them superior, makes them smarter, makes them better than other people. That is a type of cultural violence.
And so when you have people like Bill Gates, Anthony Fauci, or Fauci, whatever his name is, um, trying to push their beliefs onto the rest of us and say, you know, we all need to get, you know, vaccinated um, for like every little thing, right? Even though we have an immune system, but they're saying their beliefs, their ideology, because they're, they have a lot of money, so then they know what's best for the rest of us. And once again, we have immune systems. I'm not saying I'm against vaccines. I'm saying I'm against vaccines with fucked up side effects and I'm against untested vaccines. Especially when you're pushing those vaccines because you wanna make a buck. And you're aware of what the consequences and the side effects are a lot of the times so where it doesn't matter. Who are you to impose your will on me because you managed to hoard the most amount of money? I'm supposed to somehow be inferior to you because you can buy more shit than me? You have more money than you can actually spend. That's why you're a billionaire. If you look up how much a billion actually is, you literally, if you spent $1,000 a day, you wouldn't be able to spend a billion dollars until 2,000, what, 500 years from now. You're not going to live that fucking long. So you literally are hoarding more money than you can spend in 2,000 plus years, and I'm supposed to respect you. And I'm supposed to believe that you're superior to me, but we are programmed with that belief, which is a cultural type of violence against people who don't have as much. And that subsequently leads to the structural violence that we're seeing. Right, where the institutions that we pay our taxes to gives preferential treatment to corporations, to lobbyists. And then the rest of us get these sort of laws that don't work for our, in our favor imposed on us. That's structural violence. I want you to listen to this a couple of times and share this with people. You know, just on a superficial level, it's even little things like one of my friends told me about how like her mom is, you know, Mexican and when they're out, she kind of, in, in, in attempts to, you know, protect her mom, she tries to censor her mom's behavior when they're around white people because of this fear that white people will judge them as inferior. And she realized when I talked to her, she was like, I didn't even realize what I was doing. And that's fucked up, you know? Because of this system of cultural beliefs, we also adopt the same mindset. We also adopt the same white supremacist mindset and we allow for the subjugation up until a certain point until it kind of agitates and we end up reacting in anger. And, and then nobody, they don't, the ruling class, the dominating class, the people who, the oppressors, the people who set up these systems so that it 
benefits them, they don't address the fact that the system is even there, that they benefit from it, that, they, that they're privileged by these systems of court, cultural and structural violence. They are the beneficiaries of these types of violence. They just see the direct violence. Right? Look about ha- what happened. People, a person got killed. Okay? And then people started protesting, and then the protests were hijacked and turned violent. And white people didn't start caring until property was being damaged. So a human being died. You didn't care until property was damaged. And then you wonder why black people respond in anger when you go, but what about the looting? This man's life was looted. And you're only focusing on the direct violence expression, which is the stealing. Okay, you're not focusing on the direct violence, which was the murder. You're also ignoring the cultural violence that led to that murder, which was a system of beliefs in the superiority of white Americans over all people of color, specifically in this case, African Americans. You're ignoring that. Either you're blind to it or you're complacent. And you're also ignoring the structural violence that has been instigated against all people of color. And the structural violence are the legal structures that enforce the cultural and direct violence. So it was him just being fired instead of being charged. You ignore that. And so when you respond not to all these other issues, right? The fact that the system only fired him and it took the, the, the riotings and the protests for him to finally get charged. You ignored that. You ignored the structural violence. You ignored the system of cultural violence that basically determined the policies of the police profile, po- profiling and, and, and their practices of keeping people in the position that he used to basically take that man's life. You ignored that. You ignored the violence in that image and you didn't speak until physical property, until, until property was damaged. What that says is in your mind, damage to a property is more important than the loss of a black man's life. And you need to sit with that. And it doesn't matter what ethnicity you fall into. Because I've also heard, you know, one of my friends, she's Middle Eastern, she was telling me how her mom was saying, well, even after everything that's happened, um, you know, in Iraq, uh, we didn't loot. And that's just dog whistle racism, but she's also a victim of white supremacy as well. If you didn't loot, okay. 
but you guys didn't really have that many rights to begin with. Like, they, they've just decimated your country. They're killing your people across the board. Indiscriminately, your government is killing people. This is not the same thing. You're comparing apples to oranges. And then she asked, well, why has any other group looted? And I said, white people loot when they win hockey games. But if you're looking for more recent example, just Google the Hong Kong riots and Hong Kong Asians who are supposed to be the quote-unquote model minority, those people were looting too. And another one of my friends who her parents are Mexican, her mom was saying, well, when they were putting Mexicans, Mexican children in cages, we didn't riot and we didn't loot. And her response to her was, first of all, Mexicans were looting. There's plenty of videos out there, pictures that show Mexicans looting in this protest. They're taking advantage of this situation. So stop. Two, a lot of Mexican-Americans, particularly ones who are getting put in cages, they can't riot. They're afraid to get deported in the first place. So they're just hiding. So before you point the finger and say, well, we didn't do this, why don't you draw your attention back to what caused the protests that led to the riots in the first place? Focusing on the wrong thing. And I commend her for checking her, her mom on that and educating her on that. Ultimately, I want you guys to really Think about the way we interact with each other. I've talked about every group. I've talked about children, the way we treat children. I've talked about people of color and the way we treat ourselves. I've talked about, you know, European Americans and the way they treat themselves as well as people of color. And I've talked about women and the way they're treated in the society. If you think that this is an isolated issue, or if you thought that before listening all the way through, I hope you've come out of this understanding what's really going on. And once you understand what's going on, go and educate other people. Get them to wake up. Right? And one more thing. So... Basically, what I said in the previous episode that I posted and I uh, unpublished um, out of black out of respect and in honor of Blackout Tuesday, um, I'm gonna basically state it right here. Give you a summary. Um, What's at stake here? And that's, there was a reason why I read the book and I grabbed the book on the CIAs because we, we're all collectively getting our strings pulled. And when you see the uniformity of actions across, um, across different states, um, it, there's a not so invisible hand. So that means that from everything from the corona, coronavirus, the lockdown to the protests es- escalating into you know riots and, uh, and attacks or whatever, um, there's a hand here, there's an organization here that's pulling strings. And unfortunately, 
I don't think it's going to stop, you know, with this situation. I'm grateful that it, that we have been able to take what has happened and we're now, you know, discussing it. And eventually, I mean, we will heal from this and we will learn to treat each other as equals because we are equal. Um, we're all one. Um, if you don't believe me, because you've been programmed not to believe the words of uh, a non-lettered African-American female, um, go and do some shrooms. Uh, go do some LSD and you'll figure that shit out yourself and then maybe you'll believe. I'm, I'm no longer going to cite research from white people just to get you to understand the truth. If you, The truth is truth, whether or not you believe it. And a fool looks at a finger that's, pump, that's pointing to the sky. Okay? Am I saying just arbitrarily believe everything you hear? No. You have the spirit of discernment. Use it. But you know how to recognize the truth when you hear it. We're all one. We're all in this together. People have lost their jobs. People have been furloughed. People have been kept from, you know, being able to congregate with each other. People have been kept from being able to go to church. People have been kept from literally working and and running their businesses and they're being forced to be dependent on the state. Um, any system that can instill what we're seeing structurally, this, uh, this culture of violence, both directly, culturally, and structurally, um, all that we're seeing is not by accident. This is, this is, this is intentional. So I want you guys to be mindful of it. Because once you become mindful of it, you become less reactive after this. And, and it's kind of turned into a joke that 2020 is, you know, has been chaotic. But I don't think we should joke about it that flippantly because it basically allows it so that when something else crazy happens, it kind of, you're starting to normalize that. And that's not good. Right? If you say, oh, this is just normal and to be expected in 2020, it basically makes it so that the people who are pulling these strings um, makes it makes them more inclined to do it, right? And if we are willing to accept it, then it makes it more apt to happen. Going forward, mind your media consumption. It's a tool that can be weaponized against all American people. Um, before being defensive, learn, educate yourself. Not just on race relations, not on gender equality, um, just on anything. There's nothing to defend. Right? Just listen. Listen to each other. Learn from each other. Um, but there's something else at play here. That's basically more or less what I'm trying to say. And I'll, I'll delve into it, I think, in the next episode. I think uh, I just wanted to do this one and put it out there so that people start to really see what's happening and then change, right? People keep saying, like, how do we change this? How do we change this? Well, this listening to this podcast, sharing the knowledge that you learn from this with other people is a step in the right direction and educating yourself on just what, you know, what sort of violence is sort of instilled in our society structurally, you know, understanding what institutionalized racism is um, and understanding how, you know, there's also institutionalized sexism, understanding how these types of violences affect all of us as a whole, both individually and as a group.